Hello, and welcome to the Third Age Design Podcast. I'm Lori Pinkerton Rowley, and over the next half hour, I'll be discussing the latest in senior living and care technology with expert Joe Hulbert. This month's Innovation Spotlight and Hats Off feature both look to Denmark for inspiration. And of course, we'll also check in with the TAD International Events Calendar. Dolly Parton has one of my favorite quotes. You don't drink the water if you don't dig the well. Well, Third Age Design's been set up to allow all members of the senior living and care sector to do both. We're creating a community of engaged experts as well as a place to share information internationally. We believe we can design better together. So I invite you to please take a look at thirdage.design, that's the website, and sign up on the bottom of any page to become a member of this interactive community. Not only will you find it worthwhile, but it's also free. (laughs) While you're there, please check out the competitions page where architecture and design students can win 3,500 pounds in the TAD 2021 OSCA Student Challenge, generously sponsored by OSCA, a world leader in pressure care and specialist furnishings. Okay, let's get started. The topic of today's podcast is the new technology. In his article for the Care Home Environment magazine in September of 2020, former care home inspector Ed Watkinson, who now consults for quality compliance systems, states that a number of the organizations he's spoken with say they're actively seeking out more ideas of how technology will support and deliver better outcomes in the future. Well, if you're reviewing an existing facility or designing a new one, where do you actually start with this? To help point us in the right direction, today I'm speaking with Joseph Hulbert of Innova. Joe started in the family business in 2008, and after years of extensive courses and studies in postural management, pressure care, dementia design, interior design, and advanced business management, he helped to establish Innova eight years ago. And it's now one of the fastest growing companies in the care industry. One of the first products Innova brought to the market was the Integra Lift, which is the hoist system that's built into a cupboard, which is now distributed throughout the world. This sparked a culture of innovation, and the company now have world-leading products from stainless steel hydrotherapy pools and ceiling track hoists to beds, mattress, furniture, and technology. Joe, thank you for joining me in this. Uh, If you don't mind me saying it's a bit of a minefield, I think, but you may feel differently about it. With so much technology around and more being introduced every day, I, I mentioned a second ago, where do you start? Um, I just cons- I just finished a a, a piece of uh, research for a client uh, where I thought I I believe these are their needs these are some technologies I might point you towards but where would you start with that with it with a an operator or or a developer or an architect even very good question thank you um, I think the first thing I often go to as many probably do is Google and have a look at all the options there um, but I do feel that there needs to be a more of a central point or possibly a checklist which could be provided for care operators, developers, architects, designers to go through and consider all different points. Um, there's numerous studies you'll see being done throughout the world on advancements in technology. There's 
companies who provide it who obviously want to let you know about what they're offering. Yeah. Um, I actually wondered if it might be something which will, moving forward, be more of a task for interior designers. Interior designers, as you know, can make the end result of a care home be so different from if they weren't involved. And is that something which they need to be advising operators on or even triggering questions? Have you thought about robotics or have you thought about wristbands for residents? That answers your question. It does. And I think that goes back to what I was saying. I mean, I just, I, as an interior designer, I did just do this piece of work for somebody because otherwise what I'm afraid will happen is they'll get down the line in the, um, in the process of design and suddenly discover that they want technology and it'll completely throw the budget out. Whereas if we're looking at what the envelope of everything looks like in the experience, we're, we're looking at the total experience. And that would have to basically include any technologies in both the budget and the uh, the basic customer or client experience when they're inside these facilities. So I have to say, I, I really do strongly agree with you on that. Um, and it would be an interesting thing, uh, you know, maybe to put a small team together to to work out you know what would what would a tick list look like in this area that would be that would be really interesting and i think it would be very uh useful to lots of people working in in the sector i agree i think getting a load of like-minded professionals together who at the end of the day want to improve care and care delivery moving forward and have a have experience in designing and the technology associated with care homes in the past, it would be an invaluable resource for the industry. Well, if anybody is interested in getting involved in that, please drop us a line on the contact page at thirdage.design. I'll forward your details to Joe and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, may I just ask you, are retrofits generally easy in terms of technological applications these days because of wireless and, and the like? Yes and no, I think is the answer to that question. Um, there are increasingly um, more retrofits available, um, particularly as new startup companies with new technology, they have to be able to provide an option of fitting that to existing equipment or existing technology already in use. Although it does need to be, you know, if you're looking at something like Falls technology, where you can have a system built into the carpet to monitor and track patients' movements, you know, that would need to be installed before the um, care home is operating to save any downtime or having to do a full refurbishment. But in the main, most can be retrofitted and added at a later date. And those Falls uh, technology that you were just speaking about. I, I'm really curious as to what types of technology uh, Innova and, and you get asked about most frequently, because that's kind of going to be very interesting information for everybody to hear, um, because it sort of points towards the general direction that, that uh, people are thinking. Yeah, I must say false technology is will be one of the highest questions we get asked a lot, particularly as it's I would say falls technology and pressure prevention, particularly because falls prevention, for an example, it only takes a 
resident to fall that one time and it can then lead to them fracturing a hip which can put them into hospital and it can be a downward spiral. So any intervention prior to that fall happening can only be in the interest of the care home operator and of course the residents and their family. And how does that actually, how does having something in the carpet actually help prevent falls? Having something in the carpet is one of the options available. That's a very interesting one because it allows care home providers to monitor patients' movements so they can see, for example, what time of day is the patient moving around, getting out of bed. Do they need to have more staff available and nearby to check they're okay? Um, I think before the um, in-the-carpet system, there's, it's more important really to have something in the bed, for example, if that's typically often when a patient would fall getting out of the bed. And how do, how do the staff know that the people are either getting out of the bed or on the floor? At it, the, so this isn't a camera system of any kind where people are having their privacy affected. Um, this shows up on, on, on a computer or an iPad, or how, how is this information transmitted to the ways. staff? So it could, yes, be on iPads or remote devices which the staff carry around. You can even get it so it would page the staff on little monitors um, or vibrate as soon as someone has had a fall or stepped out of the bed who's at risk of falling. Um, the out-of-bed technology, which we're seeing becoming very a key part of as a company as providing beds is we have to have an option for integrated technology so that as soon as someone gets out of a bed who's been identified as at risk the staff be it through the nurse call system which is built into the care home or be it through the a separate mm -hmm. monitor or alarm device they can very early on know which member of staff in which room has got out of bed and is at risk of falls and other which, simple which things patient, but so yeah. effective. You know, a, a PR activated under bed light so a patient gets out of the bed, an alarm goes off to alert the staff, but a light also goes on under the bed so that in the night the patient can see better where they're going, which again reduces that risk. And that's all tied in into uh, into the bed system That's right. itself. Within, there's different options available within different bed frames. Um, historically, and a lot of what is used at the moment is wireless mats or wired mats, which of course themselves impose a falls risk. So having it built into the actual bed frame as part of the bed package, which then links through to the alert mm -hmm. system, be it a nurse call or an independent alarm, is how we see the industry moving. And besides falls, are there any other specific areas that you're getting a lot of inquiries about, or is that really the, the seems to be the main focus? I would say another um, two key inquiries, or a lot of inquiries we're getting, one is around dementia tracking. So residents with dementia, how can you ensure that you know where they are and tracking their movements. For example, if you found one particular resident was walking up and down, up and down a corridor for most of the day or round and round the same pattern, how can 
an intervention be put in place to stop that movement, which puts the resident at ease and helps their behavioural patterns. So there's dementia's a second one. And a third one we're finding, interestingly, is, and understandably, is due to how can we, we reduce um, human contact because of the COVID-19 disease we've had amongst us. Um, That's very interesting because most of the time we tend to think about it the other way. How can we increase the amount of personal contact? So that's a very interesting query. How do you approach that? Well, there's no doubt that you, you need, and it's so valuable having valuable staff and patient interaction. Um, but, you know, can robots deliver towels and sundries and catered meals and prescriptions and things like that, reducing staff contact and exposure to disease? We, we're seeing more and more of that, and even um, sending robots around the home in the communal areas, which are able to filter the air and clean the air, so not necessarily involving patient contact, but more just keeping the home in a better, um, making the environment better for the residents to continue to mm. live in. Certainly, I know in Japan, um, uh, robots are part of lots of interactions, both at hotels, for example, as concierge uh, services, even check-in services, but also in care. I know they have this pharaoh, uh, I believe it's called pharaoh, and it's a seal um, that's also a uh, moves and sort of breathes and can be petted by residents. And because it's in a seal form, it doesn't sort of scare people because it's not a cat, it's not a dog um, etc. So there, there may be lots of areas, I guess, where um, you could have interaction um, that isn't human, but still providing some sort of contact or warmth. I'll put some details or a link to that on the um, resources page of the uh, of the website, as well as some of these other things that you and I are are talking about. Interesting. Um, I seem to see a lot about wristbands lately in um, the trade magazines and things. What what specific issues do they bring up, and who wears them, staff or residents? Because I've, I've been asked about both. Interesting. We find that they would normally be always, um, nine times out of ten, the inquiries we've had would relate to wristbands being worn by the residents, mm -hmm. purely to help not only monitor movements, but also manage any vital signs. For example, if residents are freely walking around in communal areas or in their own living apartment, the wristband not only would track their movement, but would also um, create an alarm, for example, if there's a fall or if there was a heart failure or anything like that, which is, I think, very important. Um, it does, however, bring in, you know, is it intervening in their privacy, which is an interesting discussion. Mm. I think myself, providing that it's had the family's consent, families would, in the main, prefer it because it would also give them a way of being able to track their loved relatives' movements as well as the care home operators. You know what that makes me wonder is... If somebody had dementia, I don't know if you knew anything, if, if there's an answer to this, but if somebody has 
dementia and they have some sort of wristband that isn't really a watch, would that be confusing to them? Has that ever come up as an issue? Yeah, that would need to be looked at, particularly with dementia users um, easily perhaps being confused by something like that. Um, very interesting you mentioned this because I was looking before we spoke at, at a um, one-stop dementia book guide by June Andrews, which would be an interesting link to share on the on your website as well. But she mentions about assistive technology and the importance of it and how, you know, as long as it's a discrete wristband like a watch, it often would become unnoticed by the residents wearing them. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I will ask you for that link then. We'll make sure um, when we're done with the interview that we can get that on the website. Um, so you've talked about some of the technologies um, that are popular, the falls technology, uh, tracking, monitoring sorts of things. I know this is a very wide open question, but both operators and uh, designers and QS and everybody else will want to know what sort of price point, uh, if you were to say a 50 bed home, what sort of price point would you be looking at for some of these things? Because uh, obviously, the more that goes into technology, that part of the budget has to be taken from somewhere else. The pot, you know, the pot will only ever be so, so big. So how do we find the balance here? Is there a, like a percentage of total cost that should be put aside for technology? Or does it not work like that? That's a very good question. Um, I think there's a few... I try. <laughs> <laughs> a few... Um, points to bring in here. One is, I see it's going to be and is becoming a differentiation point for new care homes or refurbished or new build care homes out there, you know, those with the better technology. Is that going to encourage more families to put their loved ones in that care home? I think it will. So mm. in one sense, the extra investment required for that technology would have a very quick return on investment in helping fill the care home quicker and may enable care home operators to charge fairer and slightly higher rates because of that technology which is in place. Um, I think in relation to cost, it, it can vary so much. You know, you can get simple wristband trackers for between 40 to £100 pounds per resident. Some of them have oh, really? more of a... Um, subscription cost if you want to pay it that way which is another you know you only need to implement those actions as residents start coming into your home so a very risk averse way of introducing it right because it can it, you can you can build it up the numbers as you as you go that's right and right. exactly the same for you know falls management systems in beds as one example if you had a care home with 50 beds you could then add extra falls management systems as required to those beds at, you know, 200 to 300 pounds per bed as the residents need them or move them from room to room, depending on the patient's name. So you don't have, it's not an all or nothing implementation. That's right. So I think it's so important and it goes back to a question you mentioned about can they be, they be retrofitted? They They need to be to ensure that care homes have that flexibility and care operators. Um, clearly things like robotics or 
actual digital systems initially would need to there'd be a significant higher cost associated with them. For example, the system built into the carpet for the falls technology, you know, that would cost a few hundred pounds per room of which it's installed. With any of these things, do you ever get pushback from the operators thinking, you know, we already have all of this training constantly for our staff on manual handling and everything else. Um, Do you ever get a pushback about, uh, you know, is this going to be too much extra training for the staff members? I think we do get some pushbacks with, um, you know, simplicity is key. And in some sense, you could argue that the more technology there is, perhaps the more training is required and the more time is needed for staff to implement it. However, we are seeing also that so many operators and staff are inviting new technology because the care or healthcare um, sector as a whole is behind in digital technology. Um, I noticed an, in- an interesting fact or that four out of five of the UK population have a smartphone. Well, as people who are so used to using smartphones are going into care homes, you know, should we not be having more digital technology integrated into, for example, bed controls or controls of thermostats and heating? So I think there is a, there's less pushback because more operators are inviting it to help them differentiate and step up to the next level. And I guess what you were what you were just talking about, environmental controls and the rest of it, would also sort of be applicable to retirement living and assisted living and not just necessarily care homes per se. Is that correct? Absolutely. And it's very interesting to see how the UK market will um, go over the next few years. But it looks to be, and from the research and insight we've had, the UK is behind in terms of the retirement living type model of delivery. And I think we'll see a lot more operators opening up and starting to do that moving forward because it gives residents so much more independence and freedom and they've got their own safe apartment, if you like, but still can interact with other users mm-hmm. in front of house spaces. But it to me, it becomes all the more important to have the right technology so you can add it and intervene as a resident deteriorates or needs extra technology. And when you say the UK is behind, behind sort of the world at large or Europe or... Yeah, behind this particular countries, I think Denmark being one of them, who have a large percentage of retirement living complexes compared to the percentage that the UK have. Did you look over my script? It's really funny that you're mentioning this because I'm after our interview, I will be talking specifically about some projects in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Any, anybody else spring to mind besides Denmark in, in terms of development? I think development? Um, the US and Australia are two of the countries who... Mm-hmm. where the, um, the class is a continuing care retirement community model. And whilst it's very much in its infancy in the UK, that CCRC model is very well established and successfully delivered 
particularly yes, in the US and Australia, as well as some European countries. I have to tell you this, I've, I've really learned a lot from what you've been uh, talking about today, Joe. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Well, that was interesting. Um, Joe was just talking about Denmark, and I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that today's Hats Off feature and our Innovation Spotlight are both inspired by Denmark. The Kingdom of Denmark, where besides Hans Christian Andersen and Lego, it's long been associated with design excellence, with names such as Finn Juhl, Hans Wegner, and Arne Jakobsen, known all around the world for their practical and sophisticated furniture design. Um, it's also not surprising then that we should find some very well-designed concepts in response to care needs originating from this land of creativity. Our hats off feature this month goes to the Danish architecture firm C.F. Moeller and landscape firm Tredge Nature which stands for Third Nature, and I'm sure I've mispronounced it, they've designed the Soland Urban Nursing Home in the Norborough neighborhood of Copenhagen, which is still under construction. And like the Chocolate Factory project that we reviewed in last month's podcast, this ingenious plan fights gentrification. There are a series of three linked courtyards that crisscross with paths lined with stores and clinics and social services, shops, and the goal is to mix generations and populations, stimulating casual contact to the benefit of everyone. If you go to the resources page at thirdage.design, you'll find links to this project, which is touted as quote-unquote, the future of care design, as well as to some of the technologies referred to by Joe during today's interview. Our Danish focus continues into the innovation spotlight, where technology takes a slightly different approach to some other countries. They're what's called living labs, and it's a really hot topic in Nordic municipalities. What they've done is to actually design a way to design. Valkus Copenhagen leads the Living Lab Alliance and started a Danish study in 2015 to agree terminology and a distinction between two different kinds of these living labs. One kind, design labs which bring new solutions to the world, and two, implementation labs which bring new solutions directly into people's lives. It's felt that this clear structure allows new ideas to go from concept stage to actual use in a concise and streamlined fashion. And it changes the idea that research of older people involves people being treated as subjects or targets for experiment. And it instead regards them as partners that create a product and service together. I urge you to go to the links on the resources page where you'll find links to inspiring videos and articles on this concept. And by the way, our forum is now up and running too, and you can become a real part of the TAD community, ask some questions or go ahead and answer some. Just go to the information hub on the website and hit forum. Just a quick look at the TAD events calendar. At the time of recording, the 7th Asian Conference on Age and Gerontology will take place online from Tokyo, Japan from the 29th of March to the 31st. 
Together We Care 2021 is Canada's largest gathering of long-term care and retirement community professionals, and you don't even need to be Canadian to attend. The event is remote from April the 20th to the 22nd. And finally, the Nursing Home Research International Conference scheduled for May in the Netherlands has been postponed until spring 2022. Details of upcoming international events with the ever-changing dates we have these days can be found at the events page at thirdage.design. In next month's podcast, we'll talk with internationally renowned expert Anna Whitehead on biophilic and sustainable design strategies specifically for care and senior living. Thank you to my guest, Joe Hulbert of Innova, to our engineer, Mike Scales, Valerie Adler of The Right Website, Peter Thorne, who composed our theme music and is playing the piano with Mary Blanchard on flute, and finally, to you for being part of a community who believes we can design better together. I'm Laurie Pinkerton Rowley, and I hope you'll join me for the next one. Thank you.